0: back to yes x or no audio hello it is monday morning i've allowed week 44 to occur but this is a week 43 it's monday october 30th close to midday on the eastern seaboard of australia in 2023 and we have we had a big week in the last eight or so days for the Anti-war headlines, I have also added some sub-headlines for a little bit of amusement. Amusement's important to deal with this sort of shit. Anyway, here we go. Israel-Gaza. US sends more air defences to Middle East as escalation risk rises. Israeli official vows to wipe Iran, quote, off the face of the earth, end quote, if Hezbollah enters war. Israel to consider civilians, quote, terrorist accomplices if they stay in north gaza israeli military says soldier killed during raid into gaza blinken rejects idea of gaza ceasefire despite massive child casualties white house says israel will decide on gaza strategy u.s sends military advisers to israel including three star general Pentagon expects, quote, significant escalation, quote, of attacks on U.S. troops over Gaza war. Netanyahu says Monday strikes on Gaza were hardest yet. Francis Macron says U.S.-led anti-ISIS coalition should fight Hamas. White House says Israel will continue to kill, quote, innocent civilians, end quote, in Gaza. Israel demands UN chief resign for saying Hamas attack didn't happen in a vacuum. Oxfam, Israel using starvation as, quote, weapon of war, end quote, against Gaza civilians. House approves resolution backing Israel in new speaker's first move. President Biden accuses Palestinians of lying about civilian casualties. Israeli tanks and troops briefly enter Gaza during raid. Republican senators introduce standalone Israel aid bill. Palestinian Health Ministry releases names of Palestinians killed after Biden questions death toll. Israel cuts communications in Gaza as IDF ground operations expand. U.S. sends 900 troops to Middle East as attacks continue. I hope that which is apparent from that stream of headlines around Israel and Gaza is that the narrative management which the U.S., does a pretty good job of generally, has completely failed. The wheels have fallen off with stuff like, oh, killing children isn't a problem and all of this other insanity. So it indicates a level of panic which has set in to the White House. And this we will see in an article from Alastair Crook in Other Voices. For the next sub-headline, we have Other Middle East Still with Anti-War. Israel again bombs Syria's Damascus and Lepo airports. Go figure. Erdogan submits Sweden's NATO bid to Turkish Parliament. Exquisite timing, Erdogan. (laughs) Pentagon. US forces in Iraq and Syria attacked 13 times in last week. Israeli airstrikes kill eight Syrian soldiers in southern Syria. US airstrikes target eastern Syria. New headline, Ukraine. Remember this? Report details how the CIA is backing Ukraine's assassinations inside Russia. Ukrainian pilots have begun training on F-16s in Arizona. US announces $150 million weapons package for Ukraine. Moving on, Russia. Russia to withdraw ratification of Comprehensive Nuclear Test Ban Treaty. Russia says it's aware of US support for Ukraine's intelligence agencies. China. Chinese Philippine vessels collide in South China Sea. Africa. Senate votes down bill to withdraw troops from Niger. US. New House Speaker. Russia, China and Iran are new axis of evil. Assange. Assange. House members circulate bipartisan letter to urge Biden to drop Assange case, and there's another issue on the Assange front in the "What Other Voices Are Saying" section. For other voices, we begin early in the week with Chris Hedges with "Let Them Eat Cement," which, of course, is a play on "Let Them Eat Cake." Marie Antoinette's <laughs> uh, insanity that was a part of the French Revolution. So that's a wonderful. Summary of the genocide which has been going down uh, between the Jewish and Palestinian peoples of the region. And this follows with If Israel stops murdering thousands of children, the bad guys might win by Caitlin Johnston, who is so good at narrative deconstruction. So hats off to her. Then an interesting piece by People's Dispatch looking at the fact that Germany has basically outlawed public protest in support of Palestine. Yeah, so that's the Western response to this insanity. Then there's a piece by Larry Johnson, Chemical False Flag, Delayed Israeli Offensive and Palestinian Civilian Casualties Mount, which is a collection of components to add to the general background story. We then have the article that I used for the piece to examine what actually happened on October the 7th. And it's basically a rebalancing of the Israeli narrative about where all the atrocities were and so forth. So that's a good piece um, called What Really Happened on the 7th of October by a couple of reporters for The Cradle. Then we have a couple of articles by John Helmer. One of the things I love about John Helmer is that he has the historical background. He's been around a while. He's also a reporter, which means he brings to bear in his articles recent quotes from relevant political figures and he manages to tie these things together with historical narratives so it's he it can be a struggle to read his material because I don't think it's written with an awful lot of flair, but it's full of very poignant observation, so I advise um reading his two articles which I've listed there, uh, and they are The Existential Trap. The Pentagon has just fallen into it as Biden tries to avoid Carter's hostage rescue disaster. There's the historical reference. And The Gods Are Going Against the Chosen People, Mammon Against Israel, Mars Against the Pentagon, which I think is a great title. Then from Patrick Lawrence, we have a wonderful piece which echoes the idea that's hit a number of articles, which is... um, Uh, Indecency is Becoming Decent. And he's used the title of Full Dress Irrationality. And this is an examination of the rhetoric coming out of the mouth of Biden. Uh, And particularly it looks at the $105 billion of throwing good money after bad. Uh, It's a very nice uh, summary of the sort of um, crazy rhetoric that's being issued by the White House. And then... Bernard from Moon of Alabama has two Middle East outlooks, which is nice, so he's collecting different um, analyses of, of what the hell's going down. So that's a, a thoughtful piece. And then moving on, subtopic to Russia, we have from Gilbert Doctorow, breaking news, Russia tests its nuclear triad for massive response capability. And so he documents the fact that it was published on Russian media that they fired off um, test missiles from all three of the triads, so that's submarines, airplanes, and uh, uh, land-based launches. Um, yeah, all of their hypersonic shit that can be loaded up with nuclear weapons. So that was a little message from Russia, and that's followed that. That's sort of associated with the article that that I mentioned in Anti War about the fact that Russia has withdrawn from the essentially the Test Ban Treaty. They're saying to the US, Okay, you've withdrawn from all this shit. We're just going to let you know. If you're not going to play, we're not going to play either. And by the way, here's what we can do. So that's a bit scary. And then from Pepe Escobar, we have the article from the week. If you read anything, read this. The title is Iran-Russia set a... And then moving on to Ukraine. Remember that? <laughs> we have Ukraine's sudden high air losses likely caused by new Russian missiles. And that's from Bernard at Moon Alabama. Interesting piece. And then we have from Dave DeCamp, the extended version of report details how the CIA is backing Ukraine's assassinations inside Russia. So that's very interesting. And that was published at, uh, republished at Natalia's place understanding Russia. Then moving on to the US, we have from Vijay Prashad and the Tricontinental Institute for Social Research, how the International Monetary Fund continues to shrink the poorer nations, the 43rd newsletter. And Israel and the United States are taking a diplomatic pounding from Larry Johnson, stating the obvious. And moving on, we have escalations cannot be stopped. The White House is rattled. Escalations might all fuse into one. Alastair Crook, strategic culture, although I've used a link to under review. So that's an interesting piece, and it, it outlines the panic that's going on in the US, and there's good reason for it. I'll get to that a little further in the last section of the podcast. On a side note to the Assange case, so we had that, uh, you know, some pieces of paper being circulated amongst members of Congress in the US about please stop persecuting this journalist. We have three pieces from Craig Murray. Now, Craig Murray, you, I hope, will recall, was an ambassador for Britain. Uh, He was the first whistleblower for the CIA torture program when he was the ambassador in Uzbekistan. And for exposing this, he got basically kicked out of the Foreign and Commonwealth Office, and since then has been a good friend of Julian Assange and an associate, not a, a member or employee, but an associate of WikiLeaks. So he, if you remember the story here, he published the details that were going on of the political persecution of Alex Salmond, who was leading a Scottish independence-type political uh, campaign in Scotland, and he was taken down by the powers that be there in a, essentially a show trial. Uh, and Murray documented this and then was prosecuted for essentially exposing the identities of witnesses that were given anonymity by the court. It's a very nasty and somewhat complicated affair that occurred mm. a year or two ago, a year and a half maybe. In any case, he is now being further prosecuted. So he returned from an international trip, was taken aside at um, customs border, and interrogated for an hour precisely, and asked a whole bunch of very intrusive questions, including give us a password to your digital devices and so forth, which were then impounded. And so he's being taken down by the British state under terror laws for publishing a blog. Uh, So he publishes an article on that, um, so the initial report of what happened to him and then some further details on it, and also uh, a media analysis piece looking at the MSM and their portrayal of the shit that's going down in Gaza. So those articles are cold-blooded killers and their cheerleaders, that's obviously the media analysis piece, and then, incredibly, I faced investigation for terrorism Defence Funds Appeal, so he's asking for his supporters to uh, give him some money to support his legal costs, and Fighting the British Police State, someone has to. In the videos section, I have a collection of interviews for you, none of which quite get to the heart of the matter, which is well captured by Pepe Escobar in his article, and I'll get to that in a moment, but all of which are quite interesting and offer some windows into what's going on. Uh, behind the scenes uh, in the current kerfuffle. And there's a couple first up from uh, the members of the Duran, the Alexes, and in Biden neocon war drums beat louder, Makura sort of loses it and expresses his frustration at the fact that the US is aboard a train at high speed heading towards a cliff and he can see it and there's nothing he can do about it. I expect that that degree of frustration is actually quite common amongst a number of analysts. So it's interesting to see that he sort of, yeah, loses it a little bit uh, because he's normally so controlled uh, in his analysis delivery. There's another piece by them, which is US targets around by launching airstrikes on Syria. And this goes to the heart of one of the components that's going on, which essentially is that US foreign policy is driven by Israel. If you look at what they've been doing since 2001, the 9-11 thing, it's really been all for the political advantage of Israel. And if you remember the 2006 interview between Amy Goodman and General Wesley Clark, he lists the seven nations in five years that the U.S. is going to go after, and there are only two left on that list. I know it's been 20 years, but there you go. And they are Syria and uh, Iran. Well, they went after Syria, just wasn't successful because Russia got involved and told them to piss off. So they posit that this essentially is what is happening. The military build-up, not just the two aircraft carriers, uh, strike groups, but the two more that are on their way, this is what they're targeting, uh, which will be Syria and Iran, which means that the Straussian neocons are running a foreign policy and they suppose that these are the targets. And this, of course, is the stress. It's like, what? The US is positioning half of its surface fleet within range of hypersonic missiles from Iran and Russia. Very dangerous thing to do. So that's that. Moving along, we have an interview um, between Symes Jr. and Andrei Martinov, and that in which Martinov provides his analysis of the military capabilities at hand. So it's a podcast called New Rules, uh, and there's a link to that, uh, which is a uh, Rumble production. Uh, and I, because I haven't uh, linked to Dimitri Symes before, i provided a link to About, which is his About, About himself, from his Substack page that he set up some time ago and doesn't use that much. Anyway, so that's there. And then we have the usual interesting collection of interviews from Napolitano, including Douglas McGregor, Scott Reddard, um, Professor Mearsheimer. Um, and then the roundtable, Intel roundtable with McGovern and Johnson and so forth. And they're all very interesting. And there is also um, a very interesting interview that Scott Horton did on his show with Meryn Rappaport, And that's an analysis of the, essentially the self-destruction of Netanyahu's doctrine of uh, security and how that's all just gone by the wayside. So those are the video components for this week. For the last part of the podcast, where I would normally go over one of my articles, I'm instead going to look at the piece by Pepe Escobar, because it is the piece of the week. And I think his title is a little misleading. I don't think it is that um, Iran and, and Russia and China are necessarily so much setting up a trap. They're doing, yes, a bit of trap setting. But I really think that the whole trap is actually set by the, the clique inside the US foreign policy establishment that really are calling most of the shots, and those are the Straussian neocons, i.e. the dual Israeli-US nationals who are controlling US foreign policy. So if you accept this uh, uh, proposition, that that's the case, and I think there's plenty of reason to support that theory, then you will see that whenever uh, the Palestinian resistance groups provoke Israel, Israel responds strongly and it demands that the US responds strongly too. This means that the US is reactive in its foreign policy to these events and this means that they can be played like a fiddle. This is the bottom line of what Pepe is saying. He also outlines the fact that the collective efforts of Russia, China and other members of BRICS slash the SCO are setting up a whole bunch of systems to essentially undermine the core nature of the hegemon's control. So that would be international trade based outside of the US dollar, other parallel infrastructure, uh, financial instruments to the IMF and the World Bank, i.e. the AAIB and the New Development Bank and um, suggestions to make minor modifications to the UN system and returning it towards its core values. So that's an international political movement. And there are others, for example, the development of hypersonic missiles by Russia and then Iran's also doing that too, as are China. So this counters the military side. So the issue is that with all of these things in place, essentially the hegemon can be brought down nice and slowly thank you very much and there's no need to rush about it and that's exactly the style of play that both China and Russia like and Iran for that matter. They're quite considered players and they don't do much in the way of serious reactionary. Of course Russia was triggered by the US in terms of it supporting the upcoming genocide that was going to happen in eastern Ukraine and that forced Russia's hand and they're a bit sick of getting played like that and they're possibly looking at ways to do this to the US. And so one of them, of course, is resistance attacks against Israel that forces the US's hand. But the other, of course, is going to be all of those 850 foreign foreign military bases. This is an opportunity to force the US to be reactionary. This, of course, means that the US will have to expend considerable sums of money uh, defending, preserving, whatever it is, these foreign military bases. And this places a strain upon the US economy. And if these other efforts that the collective groups of BRICS and the SCO continue, this will become an increasing burden and that in itself will bring down the hegemon. So I think this is the master strategy. There are no doubt other components too, and there are also a lot of things that need to be watched out watched out for, including things like a collapse of the global Financial markets due to a war in the Middle East, which will shut down oil supply, and that's a disaster. And nobody wants that, including Russia and China, and the US for that matter, because the people behind the US are making quite a lot of money out of this. But their little tool is being threatened, and this is something that I've been writing about for quite some time now. But I think I've spotted, well, others as well, I've spotted one of the fundamental strategic playbooks that's going to be used. So if I were Someone who wanted to bet on the sort of style of international geopolitical movements that will occur over the next few years, I would be betting on consistent pressure on US foreign military bases for the reasons outlined. That's not terribly clever in any particular way, but it just dawned upon me that this is what they're going to do. And they can play the fiddle of pushing Israel's buttons whenever they want. And as we have seen, That exposes the hypocrisy behind the U.S. hegemon more than anything else. It really wrecks their reputation. So this is a problem for the U.S. They need to distance themselves from Israel and stop having their foreign policy run by them. This is the challenge that, that the U.S. faces and it's going to be very difficult for the U.S. citizenry to do this. Because their influence over their executive branch's foreign policy establishment has been greatly weakened by years and years and years of the growth of the military-industrial complex and the rest of it, as laid out by Ray McGovern, the Mickey Mat, the military, intelligence, congressional, uh, industrial, media, academic think tank complex. This is the play that's happening in the US and it divests control from these important arms of their government from the citizenry for a whole bunch of reasons. So that's the conundrum that sits at the middle of geopolitical power over the next few years in my humble opinion. Until next time.